Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Hey, I want you to grab your worship guide if you would, and then uh, if you got your Bibles, you want to open them up to Mark chapter 5. We're going to be hanging out there in just a few minutes, and and we got a great question. I I don't know if it's a simple question or if it's a profound question, but most of us in this room understand the fact that this question is a question that many, many times is, is the beginning of a relationship. It's a very simple question, and the question is, what is your name? Anybody ever ask that question? Anybody ever met somebody and said, well, what's your, what's your name? You know, what, what, what is your name? name? Names are important to us today. Names are more than just labels. Matter of fact, study shows right now that we have an entire generation that is experiencing an identity crisis in our culture today. We know that our world has got larger and larger. There's about 8 billion people that is upon planet Earth today. And you and I, you and I meet many people every day that so many times are just asking the question, well, well who am I? Trying to figure out who I am. We, we're living in this uh, age of postmodern de- deconstructionism, the, the things, the absolutes of the world that that we used to hold on to, many of them have been torn down. Things that we thought of for 50 years, 100 years ago, from, from God's Word to God being the Creator, is, is no longer there for many people to kind of have some identity with. But ultimately, I, I believe, we're going to see here in a minute, that there is a concerted effort by, by the enemy himself to, to try to distort or confuse the identity of this generation today. Because Satan knows that if we, if we don't understand who we are and whose we are, then, then we can easily be defeated by him. And as believers in Christ, it's so important that you and, under, you and I understand who we are and whose we are in Christ Jesus. So today, we're going to look at Mark chapter 5. Jesus is going to get to the other side of the sea, the the country of Gesenares, and the Bible says when he steps out of the boat, immediately a man out from the tombs uh, with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs. No one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had been often restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. You, 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 do you see a, a very bad situation here, right? Come on, this dude is messed up. This guy's in trouble. The Bible says night and day among the tombs and on the mountains... He would always howl, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. 
and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So, so Jesus, when you read the story, you can see he's already having a conversation, not just with the man, but also with the demons that is inside of this man. For Jesus had already said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked, what is your name? Is he asking the man? Is he asking the demon? The demon answers, my name is Legion, for we are many. What's this? I, I just want to give you just a quick setup of, of how Mark understood this story. Matter of fact, when you read the Gospel of Mark, much of what Mark will often deal with, he deals with the separation between clean and unclean in the Jewish culture of the, of the society of his day. And, and it might seem trivial to us about the division that there was such a strong an intense division between what was clean and what was unclean. It would be similar to the kind of division that we see today with somebody who's a Cubs fan and somebody who's a White Sox fan, okay? Or a Bears and a Packer fan, okay? So unclean, clean, I'll let you decide which one constitutes clean and unclean there when it comes to the Bears and the Packers. But, but basically... Much of the Old Testament is governed by, by, those, by those religious rituals of, of what was clean and unclean. And what was considered unclean was, was always excluded or banned. So, so get the story. Jesus has just stepped onto this pagan soil. He's crossed the sea. He's left the Jewish territory. He's now in an, in an land or an area that most Jews consider unclean. But there's nothing even more considered more unclean than the two things that we see in this story, pigs and dead people, okay? You, cemeteries and swine were, were, the, were the uncleanest of the unclean when it comes to the Jewish standard. They, they had strict laws how they would handle a corpse and the kind of intense ritual cleansing that had to take place afterward. So, so for this man to be living in the tombs in this pagan territory meant that he's in this constant state of uncleanness. Not only does he, does he live with an in an unclean place, but Luke and Mark tells us that his body is a temple of unclean spirits. And so he confronts Jesus and they have this strange conversation. The demon calls Jesus through the man, you're the son of the most high. And, and he begs him not to torture him. And then Jesus steps up and he says, okay, what is your name? It, it, it's, it's the one question that, that Jesus directs to this man and to this demon. And again, is he, is he talking to the man or is he talking to the demon? The, the distinction is important because it, it determines how this man is going to be defined. I want you to stay with me. How is this man going to be defined? Is, is he going to be defined about uh, who he is 
or is he or is he confined or defined by just the demons that's in him? Listen, studies show that in our culture today, psychologists will, will tell you that there's power in speaking the name of an individual. Having your name used or spoken adds value to you. Also, the study says there's pain if your name is not used or if somebody speaks it incorrectly. You ever, you ever got frustrated when somebody tried to use your name and they used it incorrectly? Come on, you ever, you know, it's, it's, it's not willing one, it's, it's willing ham, willing, willing, what not, willing ham. There's a frustration, listen, and, and, and listen, when you, when you think about this story, as I, as I read some theologians, you have to wonder if part of this man's mental struggles is the fact that probably it's been years since he heard his name spoken by anybody. And once he started not fitting in to society, once he started acting and having behavior that was unacceptable to, to be out in public, once they started to, to ban him, once they started to ostracize him and, and put him out to the tombs, they started putting chains on him. You, you, you could only imagine he's, he's no longer used a call by his name. Now they probably saying, well, that's the crazy guy. You know, he, he's the village idiot around here. Come on, you follow him. This man had to be struggling. There had to be some emotional things happening to him because it's been years since anybody used his name. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Frederick uh, Beecher said this, if someone forgets your name, it's as if they've forgotten you. Now think about it. If someone forgets your name, if someone does, does not remember your name, it makes you feel small, insignificant. For the most part, remembering the names of people adds value. That's the reason why the study right now that people talk about even how painful it is when you have a loved one that has dementia or Alzheimer's and you go and, and, and you walk in the room with them and they look at you and they don't know who you are. They've forgotten you. They've forgotten your name. Many times they don't even recognize their own name. So listen, so, so I wonder when Jesus asked this man what was his name was, did he even remember his name? Has he now become only defined by the demons that is inside of him? Now listen, how many understand identity is so important? We, we, we have parents, and we're so blessed at this church, man. We have, we have babies uh, being born. Man, I just love it that we got new birth and, and more that's coming. I, I just love the fact we've checked the water, and it's not in the water. So, so keep drinking the water. There's something else happening. But I love it. But, but how many understands that parents, when they start trying to name their child, they, they look at baby names book, they, they look at their family legacy, and often parents can get a sense, sometimes with that child, you're not necessarily trying to choose a name for that child, but you're trying to discover the name that that child should already have or be, a name that's already known maybe to God and soon to be to you and others. You ever, you ever had that sense? 
with, for, for illustration, when Sunshine, before she was born, we had the name Sunshine picked out before we ever knew anything was, was going to be wrong with her. Down syndrome, nothing like that. And when, after she was born, after she came into this earth and we put on the birth certificate, Andrea Sunshine, and immediately everybody, everybody just said, certainly she's a sunshine. Even today, when, when people meet her for the very first time, and they say, what's her name? And we say, well, well her name's Sunshine. They say, oh, she's, she's just like her name. She brings so much sunshine. Have you ever noticed that? What, well, she, she embodies that name. When, when Matthew, our, our second born, was born, I give him two biblical names, Philip, Matthew. Somebody said, why two biblical, uh, why two biblical names? Because, listen, I knew if I was going to reap anything that I sowed as a teenager with a boy, <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. I need all the help that I can get. Come on, some of you, you maybe you've not been there with your. When, when, our, when our third child was born, Amber Annette, Amber means joy. Now, we, again, we, we weren't supposed to have Amber. We weren't so, that was totally a surprise. It was just a miracle of God. But we give her the name Amber because why? She, she would be a jewel to us. She would be a total surprise, total gift of God. You know, there, there are two people that, that call me daddy. You know, the sunshine calls me Dr. Phil all the time. She, just, she started calling me Dr. Phil 20 years ago. Still today, it's Dr. Phil. It's Dr. Phil there. But I have two people that call me, da call me dad. One calls me daddy. Okay, hey, I'll let you decide which one that is. She, she, will, she will, daddy, what are you doing, daddy? And, and listen, I walk into a room today. Some of you say, well, there's Pastor Phil. Right, come on. We, we all know what titles are. We know what identity is. Sometimes I, I walk into a room with some people, and they don't, they drop my name. It's, I'm, not a, I'm not a person. I'm a, I'm a position. Oh, here's Pastor. Okay, follow me? You, 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 you have a position, and people attack that too. You know, some people I'm pastor. Some people I'm a teacher. Some people I'm the southern boy who yells at you, makes you feel uncomfortable every Sunday morning, okay? I mean, that's, but we all have names, right? Come on. I guarantee you there's people in this room that, that there are certain people looking at you and said, oh, they're, they're successful John. You know, they're, they're, there's powerful Tim or, you know, they're, there's, the, there's the weak John, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer. There's, there's the lousy whatever. But, but what, all I'm saying is that names shape us and, and, and a powerful name is, is something that identifies. And here's this guy that has been years since anybody you. His, his, his identity has been stolen from him. Now, say women. His identity has now been taken away from him. His identity is no longer there. Listen, when you look in the mirror every day, here's a real good one. When you look in the mirror every morning, what do you call that person? What do you say to that person you look at? Do, do, do you look at them and say, wow, you're, you're favored, you're blessed to the Lord, you, you, you know, you're one of God's children. Do you look at that person and think, wow, man, you're messed up, you, you, you're, you're lousy, you're a loser, come on, whatever. Listen, this man has had his identity stolen from him. And the question is, what, what, what happens? What do we do with that when, when the enemy steals? And listen, here's the problem. Here's where we're going today. There's so many today in our culture when it comes to a Christ life. We, we talked a, bit, a little bit last night, uh, last week, about the importance of coming to Jesus, listening to Jesus, and obeying Jesus. Remember what our question was? If, if you say, Lord, Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not what I say? It's important to come to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and obey Jesus. But here's the problem. So many time, 
We, 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 we get locked in into doing stuff, and we don't live out of the identity that God created for us. Listen, over, over, listen, when Adam and Eve was in the garden, God had created them in his likeness and his image. What was the lie that Satan shows up? He shows up and he says to Eve, listen, God's holding out on you if you'll follow your way, if you'll listen to me and do this rather than this, you're going to be like God. They were already like God. Come on, you with me? Listen, they were already made in his image. They, they were living out of his destiny and his purpose. They had dominion over the earth. All they had to do was continue to stay in relationship and obedience to God, and their life would be favored and blessed. Write this down. Listen, God intended for us, to, to, for us mankind, to have relationship and rulership. That's what he wants out of us. He desires relationship with us first, but ultimately, he wants to move us to rulership. Now, one day, we know how that's going to be totally complete when we get the new heaven and the new earth. But listen, even today, upon this earth, he wants us to operate with relationship and with rulership. The reason why we struggle with that is we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. We've lost our identity. We've been called so many things, we forgot about what does God see us? How does God see us? I write this, I put this in, you know, most of us in this room knows that we live in a world today, the world says we are by what we have. The world looks at every person and it measures their status by the things that they possess, what house you live in, what car you drive, what motorcycle you own, you know, what's your income, what's your career. The world is constantly saying you are by what you have. And many people fall into that trap, trying to get their identity by the things that they possess. Am I preaching yet? Many people try to get their identity by having certain things. And if I can have certain things, then I'm going to be identified as being successful or blessed or whatever. So we end up seeking after things rather than seeking after God who is able to give us all things. So some of us wake up and we say, wait a minute. I, I don't believe the lie of I am by what I have. I refuse to, to fall into the trap of, of believing that. So what do we do? We decide to go to church. We, we decide to start living better. We just, we, so, so we come to religion, and religion says we are by what we do. Now, again, it's part of doing. It's part of obeying. It's part of hearing and listening to Jesus and, and following him. But listen, what happens is so many people get caught up in just trying to do better stuff and do more things. Somehow or another, I have had, that's the reason why we get on this roller coaster. You ever had one of those weeks when you've done the right thing, you help people, you love people, you were compassionate to people, and you're out here doing all this stuff, and at the end of the week, you feel so good about yourself. Anybody ever had one of those weeks? You feel good. You ever had one of those weeks? Well, you didn't give a rip about nobody. You didn't serve. You didn't help. You were caught up in yourself. You were caught up in your world and your problem. And at the end of the week, you look around and you said, you low, low, sorry, good for nothing. Why is that? Because my identity is tied to 
doing stuff. Am I making sense yet? My identity is wrapped up in what I do. I lost my identity, you know, you know, 25 years ago when I got fired from that church. I, I, I wasn't pastor. I wasn't, I wasn't evangelist. I, I lost my identity because my identity was tied in what I was doing. But then God's word comes along and says, listen, you aren't who you are by what you have or what you do. You, you are, we are who we are because of whose we are. This is the relationship that brings us to rulership. This man in the tomb had lost out. He had, he had no family relationship. He had no community relationship. He had no spiritual relationship. The Jews or the religious people certainly wasn't going to help him because he's living in the tomb. He's living in an unclean land, in an unclean place. He has unclean spirits in him. Everybody's ridden him off. He has no identity but a legion of demons that's living inside of him. You understand how many people today are lost because they don't know whose they are. They don't know the sacrifice that has been made in order that you and I could approach the throne room of God, that we could be part of his family. So listen, how, how do we develop this true identity? This, this, this is what's important for not just relationship, but for rulership. We have to have relationship and rulership in order to live out the way that God designed us to live. Paul, Paul picks up on this in Ephesians. That, that song we were singing right before our preach is built out of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints, which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God the Father who, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. According as he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now watch this. Listen. The key to you and I living this victorious life is to live out of the fact of whose we are and who I am in Christ Jesus. I hear people tell me all the time, you know, Pastor Phil, I, I'm, I'm in church and I'm trying to do the right thing, but I just feel so lost. I, I still feel like I don't fit in. I feel like I'm not accepted. And, and listen, that's always tied to the fact, not has to do with the church. Any, it's tied to the fact of how you're responding to the enemy, to the lie of the enemy, that somehow or another, that you are broken and God cannot fix you. And what happens is so many people, when they come to church and they feel lost and they don't have an identity, they don't have a relationship, they don't, they don't have any rulership going on in their life, we start reading the Bible. Remember last week I said, we don't read it for completion of anything, we read it for connection. But what happens is that many people start reading the Bible and you start, you start focusing on behavior passages. Because somehow or another, if you're not measuring up or you don't feel that, 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 that you're living out of God's love, all of a sudden you think, well, I need to change something, right? Come on. I need to do something. 
So we start focusing on behavior passages like, like Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God, you know, helmet of salvation, you know, take the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet, take the sword of the spirit. And we start behaving, you know, behavior passages like Romans 12 and 1, you know, that, let this mind be in you, that's in Christ. And we, listen, behavior, behavior, and all of a sudden we're, we're trying to change our behavior. We're trying to modify our behavior to try to get our identity. Write this down. Christianity is not behavior modification. Christianity is always about heart transformation. Relationship with Christ is about changing and transforming our heart. It isn't about modifying your behavior. Listen, Jesus doesn't show up in this unclean land and this unclean place with this unclean guy and say, okay, I know your problem. Your problem is you're living in the wrong part of the cemetery, okay? We need to move you. We need to get you to a little bit more comfortable stuff. Well, a place over here where, where, where maybe the tombs is not as dark. And maybe, you know, J- Jesus doesn't try to modify his behavior. You follow me? Change isn't going to come through modification. Change is only going to come in this man's life when he gets transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor Phil. Listen, God doesn't doesn't modify our behavior in order to transform us. God transforms us in order to change our behavior. Why is that? Because sin is an inside job. You understand that? Sin comes from within and out of the heart of man. So when God has to, when God deals with sin, he deals with the inside first. It's the reason why so many parents, you think somehow or another you can protect your kids by, by protecting the outside. I don't want them to go to this school. I don't want them to go to the public school. I don't want them to go here. You're, 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 listen, sin is not an outside job. Sin is an inside job. They don't need to be in public school to sin. Oh, that's good preaching right there. They don't need to be hanging out with the wrong girl. Listen, they, listen you, you, you don't purify the water by painting the pump. Yeah, come on. Anybody, you know what a pump is? The old well? You don't purify the water by saying, man, this water tastes bad. Let me change the color of the pump. No, you have to deal with the source. That's what God does. Listen, God deals with the source. And listen, if we try to purify our life by modification of our behavior, we just end up being legalistic. We end up over here doing, 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 but we don't have relationship. Eve believed the lie of Satan, of, of, the, of the serpent that if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like God. If you'll just do this, then you'll have this. God said, no, no, no. You already got this. It comes through relationship. And that's what Paul is going to talk about in the vision. He talks about, listen, first of all, who we are in Christ, how we get to be who we are, and then he tells us how to live in, in that, that authority. But listen, he deals with our being before he deals with our doing. Is there a place to put on the whole armor of God to help? Yes. 
I'm just saying there's not a place for that. Is there a place to transform in you your mind by, by, by being trans? Yes, but I'm just saying you don't start there. You start with relationship. You start with the fact of, okay, God, I need to know who I am by realizing whose I am. Look at, look at John chapter 8. Look at these two verses. Most people are very familiar with John 8.32, but we don't. We rarely quote John 8.31. 8.31 says, Jesus said to the people who believe in him, you are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings. Okay? Come to Jesus, listen to Jesus, obey Jesus. I'm, I'm his disciple if I remain faithful, and you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. The truth we know, as we remain faithful to him, the truth, listen, it comes by revelation. We, 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 we gets revealed to us the truth we know, and we remain faithful. Guess what happened? Then the Bible says when we know the truth, then the truth sets us free. See, this is what this, this, this man in this, in, this, in this cemetery, everybody had brought chains. They, they, they brought equipment trying to, to bind him. They, they, they somehow or another thought if they could restrain this guy, he, his behavior. Jesus shows up, not with, he shows up with one thing. He shows up with the truth. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, right? Come on. And the truth that this guy knows, and he's about to be faithful, remain faithful to him, that truth that he knows is what's going to bring liberation or freedom in his life. Sadly, many followers don't know who they are in Christ. They go around with this spiritual lid upon them. Well, you know, Pastor Phil, I, I really can't do that. And, well, you know, I, I could never be free from that. Certainly, I could never succeed over here. And, you know, I am chained by this habit. And, you know, I'm, I'm chained by my failure. I'm chained by, by, by my limited knowledge. Listen, it, it, listen, that's not true according to God's Word. But, listen, if, if, if that's your perception of what truth is, then you'll never be free. Maxwell, Maxwell uh, uh, Marx said, he, he's, a, he's a plastic surgeon. He said many times a person will come to him and they have these, these fatal characteristics that need to be cor uh, corrected. So, so uh, Dr. Maxwell, in, with his skill in his patient, he performs surgery to correct the disfigurement in this person's life. But the person, when they look in the mirror, they still see themselves disfigured. They still see themselves as being less than acceptable in appearance. Appearance. They, they, they still see themselves as being ugly. And Dr. Maxwell said, many patients, but listen, have, make no difference what I do because they're locked in in their mind. Their perception is, I'm still disfigured. I'm still ugly. You understand, you, you understand today that many people... Our perception, even though it's not true, we lock into that. And they believe it to be true. 
I can never be free. You know, I could, I could, I could really never have the joy of the Lord because of so much sin in my life. And I did all this early along, and I just got in by the skin of my teeth, Pastor Phil. And I'm just so no, no. Listen, it's your your perception has to change of because of whose you are now. Write this down. Listen, if we we have to recognize our righteousness. Paul said, I'm writing to the saints at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ. The Bible says that we are, we, we, we are considered saints. When we receive Christ as our personal Savior, when we repented and we trusted him, the Bible said we are now saints. We are the righteousness of God. I know our Catholic friends, they will, they will at times take certain individuals like, like Mother Teresa and they will canonize them. In other words, they will make them, she becomes Saint uh, uh, Mother Teresa. They canonize. It doesn't mean that they shoot them with, with a cannon, right? It just means that, that, it, it means that they, they, they identify there's something sainthood in this person, so we declare. Listen, you understand that God has declared us a as righteous, he's already declared us a saint. The word saint just means a sanctified one. We've, we've been made righteous and we have been declared sanctified. We don't have to walk around. Listen, humility isn't walking around with your head down and saying, well, you know, I, I, just, I just want to be careful what I say about that. You know, I just want to be careful how I claim the blessings of God. I, I really, that's not humility. Real, real biblical humility is accepting what God says about you. You understand that? It's accepting what the Word declares about us. And some of us struggle with that. Because listen, we have, a, we, we have lost our biblical identity. We've let the world put a label on us. The church has put a label on some of us. And it's been so long since we really heard our name used, uh, the, the name that God recognized. We, we, we have been declared the righteousness of God. Understand that? When you look at your life in the mirror, when you look at what's going on in your life, the, the, the Bible says that we, 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 are, we are His saints. We are His righteousness. Look, look at Romans chapter 4. Here, here's, here's, here's an interesting verse. He says, if, if you're a hard worker, many of you are, and you do a good job, you deserve your pay. We don't call wages a gift. Right? Come on. If you work 60, 70 hours this week and it's payday and you go to your boss or, you know, you, the boss comes to you and said, hey, listen, I know you put in 60 hours this week, so I just want to give you a gift. Here, here's a gift. Your, your paycheck's not a gift. Hey, dude, you earned that, right? Come on. Yeah. That, that, that's what Paul saying. He said, if you've done a good job, you deserve pay. But, now what's this? He said, if you see that that job is too big for you, that's what salvation is. It's too big for us. That is something only God can do, and you trust him to do it. You, you could never do it for yourself, no matter how hard or how long you work. That trusting him to do it is what gets you right with God. You know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, dude, you can't be a good old boy. You, you can't somehow or another do enough good works. You can't somehow or another prove how great you are. No, he said, listen, you've got to understand the only way it happens is that you trust him to do it. That's what makes you right with God. 
David, David says it like this in, 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 in verse 6 and 7 of Romans 4. He said, David also spoke of this when he, des- when he described the happiness. Everybody say happiness. happiness. When he described the happiness of those who were declared righteous without working for it. Did you see that? The happiness of those who declared righteous for, for those that without working for it. Oh, what joy for those who whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Wow. Righteousness has been imputed to us. You understand that? Remember what we said last week? Sin says shame on you. Jesus said, no, no, no. Shame on me so shame can be off of you. He becomes sin for us that we might be made it might be imputed on us the righteousness of God. People say, well, I don't, I don't know what does that word impute mean. Well, it simply means you go to the store and you don't have cash on you, and you have a, you have a charge account there, and you look at that lady and say, listen, would you just impute that on my account? <laughs> would you charge it? Follow me? Put it, that's, that's what the word impute means. It means God declares he imputes righteousness on our account. We are the righteousness of God. And listen, it's not only just about learning how to confess our sin. That's important in our lives. I come to Jesus, I listen, I obey him. But listen, it's also about how about confessing our righteousness in God. You ever met somebody and, and, and you couldn't get them to, 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 to acknowledge their sinfulness. They, they never would become a, a, a sin conscious. They, they, they Listen, they, they have to be able to, to acknowledge that somehow or another that there's a sinfulness in their lives. Paul says it like this in Romans 5 and 17, for if by the trespass of one man's death reign through, the, through that one man, how much more whose Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man? See, it's reigning in life that we're missing out on. How do we have relationship and rulership? How do I reign in life? How do I live out of not what I do and what I have? How do I live out of a fact of whose I am? In Christ Jesus. This guy in the tomb is about to discover that. And listen, it's when you and I put in practice what God says that we are positionally. Listen, God is the one that originally forms us. Sin comes in and, and deforms us. Jesus showed up and said, guess what? I'm going to transform you. I'm going to declare you the righteousness of God. I'm not going to modify your behavior. I'm not going to say, well, you know, if you could just gradually do a little better and a little. No, no. It's about total transformation in our hearts and in our lives. And listen, when, when we begin to understand that, we have this righteous consciousness, not this sin consciousness. A righteous, conscious person is a person that says, yeah, yeah, you know, I messed up, but God has forgiven me and he's delivered me of that. A sin consciousness is always afraid. You're you're always reserved. You never act boldly. It, It causes you to retreat back rather than to move forward in the gifts that God wants to do in your life. See, the Bible says this. Come on, Pastor Lynn. The Bible says that if I have this this righteous consciousness, 
James 5 and 16, let me just give you a few verses. A lot, there's a lot of verses. I don't have time. James 5 and 16 said, the prayer of a righteous person avails much. See, if I have this righteous consciousness in God, if I understand who I am because of whose I am, then the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous person avails. It, the prayer of a righteous person, it gets answered. It moves God. God, I'm not worthy. I'm, I, Lord, I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter. Our righteousness is brought about through the work that he did. You understand that? And the sad thing about so many people's lives is that, that, we, that we live out of this wrong identity. We, some, people, some people live out of the idea that they, they have been told by people, just like, can you imagine the conversations that had to go on in that community about, about this crazy Sam, this, this, this village idiot? They had, they, had to, they had to have conversations like, well, you know, he's so unlovable. His family can't stand him. He acts like a nut. So, so what? they banned him. They banished him to the tombs. And there's people listening today at our campuses and even here today. Maybe, maybe you've, you've heard people say for so long that you are unlovable. That you can't comprehend that God could ever love you. You're, you're so unlovable. Or, or maybe, maybe somehow or another, some of us have been told that you're so scarred, you're so messed up. That you, you don't believe God could heal you. Or you're such damaged goods. But listen, what, what we have to lay hold on to, what does the Bible say? What is, what is our identity through Christ Jesus? When you go back to the story in Mark chapter 5, the odd twist in the story is that, that Jesus commands the demons to come out of this man. Leave the, he comes out of the man. They go into this herd of swine. The swine drop, drop, jumps off the cliff. They all die. And then all of a sudden, what's it? All of a sudden in this story, you, you see this man now sitting in his right mind and he has his clothes on. There's a transformation. This dude that was naked, cutting himself, hurting himself, howling, is now sitting down. And then he looks at Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, I really want to go with you, man. You, you, you brought transformation in my life. But Jesus has another idea in mind. Because he tells the man, he said, listen, you're not going to go with me. I want you to go back to your home. I want you to go back to your friends, go back to your family. I want them to see the amazing story of transformation in your life. And Mark 5 and 20 says the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region. There was 10 areas. And began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told him. And you know what me think? Me think he probably started off the testimony by. You know what the first question Jesus asked me was? What's your name? Who do you identify as? What, 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 what do you go by? And again, he was, he was so jacked up. He was so messed up with this, this legion of, of demons, demons in him that the demons spoke rather than him speaking. That's how, that's how messed up his life was. And yet we see him totally transformed. Listen, I pray that you get where God is, what he's saying to some of us today. 
We live in a culture today that people have this identity crisis, and sometimes we look at them, and they look so messed up. We have a conversation with them, and they're, they're so jacked up in their belief system. And sometimes it's so easy for us to try to look for ways to somehow or another silence them or isolate them or push them away from the community, whereas if we're like Jesus, we go to where they're at. And we help them see the transforming power that he has. Do you follow me? There are people today that, that have believed for so long that they've been abandoned that there's no way they can comprehend that somehow or another that God has accepted them. God hasn't abandoned them. He's accepted them. Again, Jesus didn't say, well, now listen, if you can kind of shut up and, and calm down and get some clothes on, we'll have a... No, he went right into the mess where he was. And listen, that's, that's all I'm challenging us with today. Maybe some of these messed up people God has put in your life for so they can see the power of God displayed. Because listen, there's some of us sitting here, we're just like this man. Listen, we, we have tremendous testimonies to tell people of what God has done and how he's freed us up in our lives. I hear stories every week. We get great letters through our Westfield campus of how men's lives are being restored People that are considered totally losers in our culture. God's doing miracles. And you've got some people in your sphere of influence right now. You work with some of them. They're, they live in your neighborhood. You, you go to places. Listen, I was in a, I walked into a place today and I seen this lady. And you could tell life has been hard on her. Her skin, her face, her teeth was absent. Everything about her was repulsive to the natural person. You understand, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but everything about her, it was so easy. And I, I watched people's response to her in the store. And listen, I, I, di I didn't feel, I didn't feel led. I, I, I didn't feel led that I should go speak. But I just stood there for a few minutes. And I just started praying for this lady. I said, God, open her heart and her eyes to your love for her. Let kindness be demonstrated. And I had one little act of kindness that I was able to do that day was to just give a little extra money for something she was trying to purchase. It wasn't, it wasn't alcohol, it wasn't cigarettes or anything like that. Had it been, I might have still did it. I don't know. But, but I just reached, I said, listen, I got this. And, and I, didn't, I didn't try to, try to carry on a long conversation. I didn't make her feel like she was indebted to me. You understand? But what, when, I, when I turned that money loose, I said, God, do a miracle in this woman's life. I don't know where she's from. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever see her again. But it's just at that moment. And that's what I'm asking God to do for us. God, open our eyes to some of these moments. Some of you are sitting here today because somebody saw God through you. And they saw God in you, even in your mess. And they stayed long enough to have a conversation. You follow me? Come on, I want you to stand. I got to quit. What is your name? Who, who do you identify as? Some people say, Pastor, I'm broken. God, God says you're healed.
Some even say, Pastor, I, I'm, I've been rejected. God says, you belong to him. Some people say, but you know, Pastor, I feel, I feel like I'm alone. And God says, but, but I'm with you. God is able to give you back your true identity. You are his. You belong to him. He died for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You understand that? Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.